Don't give up, look up. Past Tyler's message this morning. Jesus was a storyteller. And I, I think there, for the majority of us, especially with my mentality, I like stories, maybe better than facts sometimes. But when Jesus told stories, the facts were in them. And as we read the New Testament, it, it, it always kind of amazes me because he, Jesus tells stories more than he does quote the Old Testament. He does quote the Old Testament, Isaiah, the Psalms. But he, this, is, and this is classic Jesus this morning in Luke 18. Starting with verse 1, Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. It's the thesis of the story. In this whole story form, which he uses an amusing background in a sense with the widow and the judge, but the fact is he's teaching them the story so they'll get this basic premise to pray consistently and never quit. He said, there once was a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept asking him, my rights are being violated, protect me. He never gave her the time of day, but after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks, even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'm, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm gonna end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, do you hear what that judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think that God won't step in and work justice for those, his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you that he will. He will not drag his feet, but how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? This is a parable of contrast. It is saying that God is not like the judge who wouldn't give in, who wouldn't answer until the persistence came through. He told his parable and he tells them in the very first verse of Luke 18 why he tells it. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And that's why Jesus is saying to us this morning, pray and don't give up, don't give up, look up. The story is, is somewhat humorous. You have these two characters. You've got a powerful judge and a powerless widow. It seems in Jesus' story sometimes that he always chooses, or not always, but sometimes chooses a rascal to make a good point. And I think he does it for shock value. And sometimes he chooses rascals to be preachers. Right, Brother Jeff? Yes, sir. <laughs> Here's a cartoon that I found that kind of illustrates this story. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should keep praying and not give up. I've reached a decision. The family in question is to hand over all property to the bank and pay the rest of the loan in weekly instalments for the next 20 years. Next case. Sir, have pity on a poor broken family. Pity? Puh. Next case! Have pity on my family, blah blah blah. Ha!
Hello, Judge. We're neighbours. Judge, I need you to defend me. The landlord's kicking me out. He wants more rent. Uh, black coffee. Thanks. Hey, Judge! I'll take the case, just get out! Miserable old woman! And Jesus said, so if that's what the shonky judge did, then how much more will God get justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? I, I don't mean to open up any cans of worms this morning, but talking about spouses sometimes has your spouse ever done that to you and then finally you just kind of kind of give in I'm not mentioning any names or any certain households here so I'm just I'm just asking you a question this morning this guy was a pretty pretty tough character he's pretty hard-boiled verse 2 you have this description of this judge in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men he didn't give a hoot about people, what happened to him. No compassion, actually. Unsympathetic, callous, I'm sure that he was just plain mean. So along comes this widow in distress in verse 3. There was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. We don't know what her problem was, but when you study the Bible and you study what Palestine was like in those days, a widow had absolutely zero rights. Women didn't have any rights, and if you were a widow, you definitely didn't have any rights. You were at the bottom of the social ladder, no resources. The word widow in the Greek literally means forsaken or left empty. You are totally on your own. But this woman was no pushover. She had a problem. She went to this hard-boiled judge. And so you've got this, this battle of wills you got this uncaring, unsympathetic judge, and you've got this widow who is in dire straits in a sense. Verse 4 and 5 says, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. I, I like to imagine the disciples that are sitting around and while Jesus is telling this story, and I, I'm sure that they found some humor in that. Because here was this impotent widow in those days that had zero power, and she was starting to get under the skin of this judge, this prestigious judge in a way. She had no weapon but persistence. He finally says he'd understand, understood that he had met his match, and he was exhausted, and he said, because she keeps bothering me, I'll see she gets justice so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. The word wear me out in the Greek literally means to give a black lie or to bruise. The judge was saying, I'm afraid this lady's going to hit me. She's aggressive. She keeps asking and asking. And finally, for peace and quiet, 
I'm going to finally give in. So is that what God's saying? Is this how we have to go to God? Is this how we treat God? Wear him down with our prayers. And finally, God says, for heaven's sakes, for peace and quiet, I'm going to grant you that prayer. So just back off a little bit. No, that's absolutely not what he's saying. It's a comparison by contrast. He says, if a heartless judge will help out, how much more can we count on God who loves us to help out? Verse 7 says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get their justice quickly. So the point of the story is that God's eager to answer your prayers. You don't have to beg. You don't have to borrow. You don't have to gripe, complain, or pester. He's saying, I am not like that judge. And then the question comes up then for us, why do we need to be persistent? How come my answers don't come immediately? And herein lies a problem for you and I as followers of Christ, because we are on our own time schedule. We, we want to demand God to fit his answers into our time schedule, but he doesn't, he doesn't work like that. Here's four reasons to keep on praying, four benefits, if you will. Benefit number one is this. Persistent praying fo- helps me focus on God. It doesn't. It reminds me that God is where the resources are. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He wants us to look to him. He doesn't want us to go anywhere else. He wants to go directly when the problem comes and we need an answer. He wants us to go at that time right to the source with him. But we don't do that sometimes, do we? A lot of times we try to do it under our own power. We go to friends. We go to family. We go to counselors sometimes, which are a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's some problems in our life if we were devoted to Christ like we should be and had the prayer life that we should, that they, it would take care of that. We like to work it out on ourselves. Sometimes we even look to the government to help. We look to everybody except to God. Psalm 105.4 says, look to the Lord, go to him for help. That's what persisting praying does. Persistent praying clarifies my request. That's benefit too. A delayed answer a lot of times gives you time to clarify what do I want. A lot of times our prayers are vague. Lord, just give me some stuff. Well, what stuff? What, what, to, to boil that down to what you're really asking about. Sometimes we, we pray for blessings, but sometimes do you know that a blessing is a problem? And you, are you praying for God? Give me lots of problems. We got to be specific. We got to be general. It's not a denial. It's a test. Zechariah 13, 9 says, I will test them as gold is tested, and then they will pray, and I will answer them. When you pray for something over a period of time, it separates longings from mere whims, you see. It's an earnest desire. Is this an earnest desire in my life, or is this just a passing fad? Delay is not a denial. But waiting sometimes proves that you and I have faith. And if you do have faith, how strong is it? Well, we say we love Jesus and we say that we are believers, but when those hard days come, when chaos comes, disease and accidents, you run toward him or run away. 
You give him thanks or you curse him. It comes down to that. And as sure as we're sitting in this place, we've been down this road before, I'm sure most of us. And if you haven't been tested, you will be. And that test is whether your faith is there or not. And past 35 years of ministry, you can't believe the people that when that faith was tested, do you know what they did? They turned tail and ran. And all the time they were running away from God, they were cursing, shaking their fists. God, you didn't do what I wanted. You didn't answer my prayer in my way. But you have to understand our Heavenly Father loves, so, loves us so much, he's going to answer in a way that's best for us, not what we demand from him at that time, you see. God delays the answer to test us. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. If God would stop time right now, and he'd give us enough time this morning to start at this table and put everybody's heart, what was in it, up on the screen, I think a lot of us would probably be embarrassed. But in this heart of yours, how, how much of that is God's? A lot of times we just give him bits and pieces, but Jeremiah says this. Nothing worthwhile is accomplished with half-hearted prayers. God wants to know if we're serious with him or just, just playing games. <laughs> he loves it when you worship him. But when you leave that door, you go back to the way that it was, not the way that it's supposed to be. Benefit three, persistent praying prepares me for the answer. God usually wants to do more than you're praying for. You're praying for something, but God wants to do it bigger. He wants to do it greater. He wants to do more. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now God, to be the glory, who is by his mighty power at work within us, is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. God wants to do it bigger in your life. Sometimes we ask for a small blessing and God denies it. Why? Because he wants to do something bigger. Because there's a training time for us that he wants us to get us into a place where he can use us the most. Did you realize that God put the vision for this place in my heart 25 years ago? But I wasn't ready. I had to go through a lot of different things. I had to spend 14 years, what I call my wilderness experience, Diane and I, to get to this point. And I tell you how that came about. We were in the city of Freeport, Illinois, about 25 or 30,000, and we were needed to build a church. The church was growing, and this old grocery store came up for sale, and it, it didn't really look like a grocery store. It had stone, a stone front, and it was nice inside. And in my mind, I could see, visualize in this place, tables and chairs, but it was such a wild concept for people that they thought that, I was in dementia, actually, <laughs> which I probably was starting back then, but nonetheless. And God told me, in a sense, that this vision would come to fruition, but it'd be a while down the road. I put it on the back burner. Answered prayer is not a matter of we're waiting on God. It's a matter of God's waiting on us. When we're ready, the doors of heaven open and the answers come. 
Our struggle primary is with ourselves. There's been some great men of God. James Hudson Taylor was one of them. British Protestant Christian missionary to China, founder of the China Inland Mission, now OMF International. He spent 51 years in China. Taylor left England on 19 September 1853 before completing his medical studies and arriving in Shanghai, China on 1st of March 1854. The nearly disastrous voyage aboard the Clipper Dumfries through an easterly passage near Buru Island lasted about five months. In China, he was immediately faced with civil war, throwing his first year there into turmoil. He made 18 preaching tours in the vicinity of Shanghai starting in 1855, was often poorly received by the people, even though he brought with him medical supplies and skills. Don't you imagine that even back in those days, in his mind, you know, God, I've, I've left England. I've given up my home. I've given up. I've sacrificed these things. And that first couple, three years on the mission field, I am sure that the questions and the doubts were there. Lord, I've given you everything. What is up with this? Well, at first he wasn't ready for the blessing God had for him. He had to prepare him. He had to prepare those people. In the right time, God did it bigger than he could ever imagine. Taylor was persistent and God blessed him. The society that he began was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country who began 125 schools and directly resulted in 18,000 Christian conversions, as well as the establishment of more than 300 stations at work with more than 500 local helpers in all 18 provinces. The People's Republic of China is a communist country, but because of his persistence, there are pockets of Bible-believing followers of Christ throughout that country. God delays to help us focus on him. Last benefit, number four, persistent praying strengthens my faith. Prayer and faith go hand in hand. Faith is like a muscle. It grows as it's being stretched. Waiting tests your faith. A mark of maturity is how long can you wait? You good waiter? You wait well? You patient? I got a little exercise for you to try if you want to try your patience. How many men in here go shopping for clothes with their wife? Well, I'm saying not, you guys aren't patient enough. You, Pastor Jeff, do you go shopping with your wife? You have to. I understand that. I feel your pain, brother. I'm in your boat. It's a test. It's a test. Of patience. So I don't know what you do, brother, but I take my sermon or a book. I go to Panera. I've been to Panera so much, waiting on Diane. There's a cup with my name on it. But that's what I. But it's it's that. I'm not. I'm not a very good waiter. It's one of my weaknesses. I'm impatient. I blame it on ADHD, but it's something I got to deal with. And that. And that is what God does with us. You know, I've often said this that. It's like a whole truckload of blessing that God has for all these kids that he wants to dump on us, but he won't do it till we're ready. He won't do it till he sees that we're serious about it. And then, 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 then he will. And patience, waiting on God, that's, his time is nothing like ours. Something I wanted to happen 25 years ago took 25 years to come into being. 
And down that road, there was a few times I wanted to bail out. I was never going to give up on Christ, but I'd had it with the church. I didn't want any more church. I didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I wanted to be like normal people in a sense. But God, God did it. And we come down here and God bless Twyla and Reed. They let us in this building. Helped bring that. They were part of this process. And as a lot of you were as well. I, I can't express my gratitude to you for that. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. It's like that clip for giving time. I see things a little different than some pastors. That spoke to my heart. Didn't say anything about Jesus. Didn't have any scripture. Acted out. That's the way you and I ought to be living every day. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what, what, what nationality we are. Doesn't matter where we're at. There are things like that around us constantly. And you and I won't see the big payday. We don't see the payoff. That guy in that clip was fortunate enough to do, but as givers, we might not, we might not see that. It's like Hudson Taylor. He didn't see all that come around. Let us not do weary in doing good. For at the proper time, it will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Hang on. Be patient. The harvest is coming. Don't give up. We look up. God's delays are not denials in our lives. They're tests to strengthen, to test, and to challenge our faith. Jesus concludes the parable in verse 8. I tell you quickly, quickly, you'll see justice. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Faith and prayer, he was talking about, they go together. The story's not about praying persistently, it's about having faith. Why does he mention faith? Because the size of your prayers discern the size of your God, determine. Do you have a big God or a little God in your mind? Look at your prayers. You can tell what you're praying for, what you're asking for. Something tiny, something you could do on your own, or do you pray to God for something that only he can do, you see? Anytime there's a delay, you can know that two things are going on. First, God's testing your faith, and Satan is contesting your faith. Right there the whole time, whispering in your ear, man, you need to give up. You need to throw in the towel on God. He's not answered your prayers like you wanted when you wanted. Just go out and just live like hell. It'll be fine. You'll be all right. Boy, we have a tendency to want to go back to mud, don't we? And that's, that's what happens. But praise God for you that stick it out, <laughs> who have the, the want to, to stay in there, to stay in the trenches, so to speak, to keep believing, to keep coming to church, to keep giving. This lady, Jesus really admired her because the widow, she refused to give up. She was persistent. She was tenacious. She was determined that nothing, absolutely nothing, was going to deter her from her mission. How quickly do you give up when the answer is not immediate, you lose heart. Do you want to give up? And I think that's the problem with a quick fix, I want it now culture in which we live in. 
The Russians are determined people. And the ones my age and older, maybe it's changing now with the children, but when we were over there, they were focused. They walked everywhere. They were focused on the task, and they did things on mission. I learned something from them in that sense. They weren't raised, a lot of them were raised in deprivation, and you and I weren't for the majority of us. And the way we were raised sometimes in this life and the way that we conduct ourselves and live in this culture that you can pull in anywhere and get a sandwich pretty quick and whatever. I like to observe people. If you go in a restaurant and it's busy and you come in and then 20 minutes later another couple comes in and they get waited on first and get their food, does that upset you? <laughs> Most of the time it does, but the, the fact is, is it probably shouldn't, but it does. It's, it's just because we want, we want things like that. And so we bring these feelings and these issues into the kingdom, and we want God to respond that way as well. Faith persists. How do you pray persistently? In Luke 11, he tells this other parable. So I say to you, Luke 11, ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who seek, asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. That's what God is saying. Would you pray with me? Lord, you know every heart here. You know the hearts here this morning that want to give up. <laughs> Who knows what that is, but you do. It might be on a marriage. It might be on some issue with our children or an issue at work. We want to give up on our job. Give us persistence, Lord, that we might continue to come to you. And we might come to you, Lord, with these major issues that's going on with our lives, and we lay them at your feet, and we wait for your counsel, and we seek your guidance. So right now, Lord, those of us who are weak this morning in our faith, I just pray that you might strengthen it, that you give us advice, that you give us assistance. And Father, is there anybody here this morning that hasn't come to you for saving grace that that might happen in this instant, even as they sit or stand where they are, that they whisper that prayer, Lord, I don't know how to do this so much, but I won't be your kid. I want you to come in and forgive me of my sins and become my Savior. That's our prayer here this morning, Lord. So I just pray, as always, that we're just obedient to you. For we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.